0: Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find a church, family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Amen. So uh, I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. We're going to get into the word, and then we'll go into our hangout. It's going to be a good day. There's chicken wings, cheesecake, and salad. All right, so it's healthy as long as there's salad in there. It's 100% healthy, so it'll be good for you. But Father, we thank you for a good day, a day we can gather freely in the house of the Lord, a day where we can look at your word and we can talk about your word. And we just, um, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We know that you're here. Jesus, you are alive and you have paid the price for our lives. Our sins are in the past. Your grace is enough. And we worship and adore you because you are that good. Please just speak your word. You're the teacher. You're the pastor. That's that's who you are. We are your body. And we come and we gather to be fed by you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When you came in, you should have gotten one of these handouts. Um, if you don't have one, raise your hand, and David or somebody try to get you one. If we have any more left, we might need to print out more for next week, and that's okay. I know the computer, I got word, is having a little bit of trouble, so the, it will be on the screen shortly, but I'm going to dive uh, right in. But we're, we're starting, this is week three of a message series called Stressed Out. Now, in case you don't know, stress is like a pretty big epidemic in our country. It is something that is just uh, taking it by storm. Stress is a state of pain or a state of danger or desperate need. In other words, real or not, people are living in the, with this pain and they're living with this sense of need. I mean, and, and, and I think over 77% of people are regularly experiencing physical symptoms caused by stress. That's regularly. All right, we don't even work out regularly. All right, but regularly, 77% of people are experiencing some form of stress in their lives. And we talked about this and, and we talked about how there's hope in, in the gospel and there's hope in Jesus. And and my prayer over these past few weeks and even before this message series started was that that we'd be free, that people would, would know how to handle their stress and know how to deal with their stress. We talked about how it impacts different people different ways, how it impacts some people emotionally, some people physically, some people um, uh, mentally. And that's okay. It doesn't matter, like, it, we're all different, um, but it's impacting us all in different ways. And so today, um, I don't want it to be self-help, but I want it to be help that is, that is based on the Word of God of some tools that hopefully you can use, that I can use to um, begin to walk in some freedom. Because the truth of the matter is, is I can't take your stress away. It ain't going anywhere. So you can either learn how to deal with it or suffer. I hate to, like, be the bearer of bad news, but those are your two options. We can't take your stress away. But you can either deal with it or suffer. It sucks that those are the only two options, but let's be real. That's about how it is. And, you know, they said the millennial generation, that they are the most high-stressed, the most stressed-out generation in history, which I find shocking. And I think there's some reasons behind it. But it doesn't matter who you are, you're dealing with stress. So I want to jump in. The first scripture is out of the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13. And it says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul was one of the most hardcore apostles you'll ever read about. He did more for the expansion of the gospel Um, than just about anybody else outside of Jesus Christ. He gave his life for the gospel. He went around and planted churches all over the world. And because of that, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was locked in prison, he was abused, he was lied about, he was whipped, he was beaten with rods. I mean, he had a lot of reasons to be stressed out. And he says, on top of all the things I suffer physically, i got to deal with these churches. Like that's what he really says in his letters is, I've got to deal with these churches, and when, when one person in one of my churches suffer, I suffer with them. So not only does he have, as a good pastor, not only does he have all the burdens of being able to take this gospel and the stress of traveling around the known world, sharing the gospel, um, but then he has the burdens of once he starts a church, his heart never leaves there. And he's thinking about his people, and he sees them suffer. And so the stress just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he writes this book to the Philippians when he's talking about things that he's learned. And this is one of the best scriptures ever. And it says, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. The number one thing you can do when you're thinking about your stress level or one of the things is forget what lies behind. Forget what's behind you. Like, here, here's the reality. No matter what happened to you, you can't change it. Some of you have been through some horrible things. Some of you have been through some wonderful things. But it doesn't matter because you went through them. They are in the past. The only thing you're responsible for is right now. Now, I'm not saying don't acknowledge the past. Acknowledge the past. The past makes you who you are. You probably learned something going through your past. If you didn't learn something, you missed something. All right, but you go through your past. You learn the lessons that you were supposed to learn or that you could have learned. And then you move forward into your future. You see, every day I have to do this. In fact, every Sunday I have to do this. Forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead. It doesn't matter, and and this works whether it's good or bad. Whether your past was horrible, like I know people in here that that, that I'm very close to, that when they were little kids, they were abused sexually. They cannot live there, and they don't. Because if you live there, you're going to be miserable. And I, have, I know people in this building that, that you had a great past. Like your past, you grew up and all was great. You had everything good, and you can't live there either. It doesn't matter if it was yesterday was the best or yesterday was the worst. You cannot live there. You cannot. God has something different for you. You can't worry about the past suffering or the past glory. Each day has enough blessing and suffering of its own. And if you're going to deal with the stress that you're in, you need to get rid of and deal with what you've been through. That means do it. You can't, wor- you can't get to your tomorrow until you've taken care of your yesterday. Somebody said that, and I believe that. And you can't stay there. You know, some people, we like to glory in the past and talk about the good old days. They said that you can tell a man's, um, and I think this is true about men, um, you can tell a man's best decade by the clothes he wears. you know be like oh he peaked in the 80s 70s for that guy that's a 90s guy right there you can it's true about guys and one day there's going to be a whole set of men like 80 90 years old in skinny jeans and they're going to be there they're going to peak they said that and that's true but you can't live you can't live in your best or your worst decade you got to worry about right now you can't glory in the past The past is over. It doesn't matter what you did before. What are you doing right now? You know, you work with people at your job, and they talk about, oh, well, back where I used to come from, this is how we did it. Well, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? And if you're going to deal with your stress, you really have to stop living in the past. Now, I love history. That's my major, church history. I love history. I think we need more history. But we need to learn from history, not live back there. We need to learn from what you went through, but you don't live there. And we have too many people doing it opposite. We're living in the past, and we're trying to learn something today. No, you, you learn from the past, and you live in today. The next thing that you can do to help handle your stress, your, your, your stress is number two. Um, it comes from Philippians chapter three verse fourteen. It says, "I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know that God calls you upward? That no matter what level you're at today, He wants you here tomorrow. and no matter what level you're at tomorrow, He wants you there the next day. God is calling you upward. God is calling you into something greater. The scripture talks about glory to glory. God has an upward call. And Paul says, I press on toward the goal. Do you have any goals in your life? In fact, I bet some of you are suffering from stress because if you set goals and you don't reach them, it stresses you out. I mean, I'm, I'm that person. I set tons of goals. I have a to-do list a mile long. I have a calendar with appointments and with things and and all this stuff that I want to accomplish, and when I don't get to accomplish them, I get stressed out. Now I don't freak out. My daughter said, and and this may not be true, but I'm going to say it, my daughter said that the past tense for freak out is fruck out. That's what she said. (laughs) So I don't have a fruck out, whatever that is, but I move forward and I press on. And, and one of the things I can say is, number two, is work towards a goal. Work towards a goal. See, some of us, and I've been guilty of this, is that we get so overwhelmed by what's in front of us that we do nothing. And then the stress gets bigger rather than tackling it one step at a time. See, that's what happens to a lot of us is, is we have these plans and we don't see them materializing. So instead of just moving one step further, we move no steps further. And then we feel even more stressed out because in a lot of times, life feels like it's one of those sidewalks that moves in the opposite direction. And if you're going to make any progress in this life, you got to really be pressing forward. Because it feels like if you just stand still, you're moving backwards. And you can't let procrastination, and I say that because some of y'all are really good at procrastinating. Some of me is really good at procrastinating. Have you ever woke up with so much to do, you're like, I'm not doing anything today. It's just too much, nothing. Put on the TV and let's lie on the couch. And you know what, that doesn't make it better. Because the oil still needs to be changed, the bills still need to be paid. The walls still need to be painted. The dog cage still needs to be cleaned. And that's what I got to do today when I go home. And I don't know what you're battling, but like it doesn't go away. And sometimes you would feel better if you just did one thing. Rather than getting all 30 things done, do two. You'll feel better. Rather than than trying to lose 50 pounds, there was a guy today, he said, You know, I think I'd really like to lose 70 pounds. He told me that this morning. Try losing two. And be happy about those two. And then lose two more. Don't try to lose 70 by tomorrow, because you'll either fail or die. If you succeed, you're going to kill yourself. But move forward, work. Some of us are stressed out because we don't put the work in. We're mentally running through the motions, but physically we don't put any effort behind it. Paul couldn't talk about wanting to start all these churches if he never actually went to these other cities. Until they actually got on the boat or got on the, the horse or walked the road to go to these cities and get it done. So work towards a goal. Make a plan. Stick to it. And you know what? If whether you accomplish one thing or 50 things the next day, wake up, forgets what's behind you and move on your list, you'll feel better making just a little bit of steady progress. Number three, and this is important, and this is for me. I don't care if it's for y'all. Number three, this is one of the Ten Commandments. When God gave the people of Israel ten things to remember to do, ten of the most important commandments that he could give, he said, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Remember to rest. My little girl, she had a really good point. My kids are pretty smart. Remember, that's the point. Remember to rest. But she said, Daddy, I know Chick-fil-A is not open on Sundays. Why do they make the people build that building on Sunday, Daddy? And I said, I I don't know. They're probably not employed by Chick-fil-A. They probably contracted that out. Now, I'm not saying that you need to do a full Sabbath, but I am telling you, you need to remember to rest. And you know what? Rest is a pretty powerful thing. Rest is one of the biggest things you can do to show that you trust God, to actually disconnect. One of the reasons why I think that we're so stressed out as a culture is we never disconnect. Think about back in the day when it took like three weeks for news to reach you. Had to come on like the Pony Express and the train and. People walking into your village, you telling you what happened. Now we're getting alerts every five seconds. I got this app that like it just goes off like crazy. It's about to rain in 10 minutes. It's like, dear God, you know, leave me alone. How do I turn that off? We get notifications about the news and about politics and emails from work and family members freaking out and and -and so-and-so texting us, asking us to do something. And and, and we never take time to rest. And sometimes one of the best things you can do is to disengage. I've set my personal Sabbath up. I take a personal Sabbath every week because you know what? Until this summer, I really hadn't taken a Sabbath. So from 6 o'clock on Friday night till 6 o'clock on Saturday... I don't even pay attention to my phone. Very rarely will I look at it. I'm just chilling. I'm resting. I'm playing with my kids. I'm getting some recreation, recreation, recreated on the inside, being built up. And it's very important, if you want to be in this for the long haul, learn how to rest your body. It's the same thing in working out or in running. You know, I was training for a for a marathon, and there was in the marathon There was um, training schedule. There were certain days you ran, and certain days they said, no, don't run. That's stupid. Rest. Let your body heal. And then you run again. No, stop. Rest. Let your body heal. Are you resting enough? Because if you don't rest enough and within the right rhythm, you're not going to be healthy mentally, emotionally, or physically. It's bad for you. You can get more done in six days that when you've rested than in seven that you work as hard as you want. I mean, it's just, it's just the truth. And so I challenge you and I encourage you to rest, to do less. Isn't that crazy? Back to back. I told you to work, and then I told you to rest. And I should think it should be in that order. Don't flip the two. Don't rest and then work. Because then mentally you're stressed out and you won't enjoy the rest. Work, accomplish something, chill. Work, accomplish something, chill, and repeat for the rest of your life. And you will see yourself feeling better. And I just think it's amazing that out of the ten most important things God could tell people, one of them was take a break. You have permission to take a break. It will be there tomorrow. You want to know the sad part is, as important as you are to your job, if you can't make it, they'll find somebody else. And within three days, everybody will be like, there was another guy that was here before, right? What was her name? What was his name? I don't know. And you'll be replaced. So don't be afraid to rest. On the back side, this is out of the book of the Matthew, of chapter 14, verses 22 through 23. It says, and this is Jesus. And um. I love this story. It says, as soon as the meal was finished... Jesus had spent the day preaching and ministering healing and, and doing the work that the Father had sent him to do. And then he ate a meal. And he said, as soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side. And then he dismissed the people. And when the crowds disappeared, he climbed to a mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Take time to pray. Take time to be alone. Take time to press into God on your own, but that's the point. Take time to pray. Picture that. I just love it because I can relate to that Jesus. He spends the day ministering. He has his disciples there. He's like, y'all, just go get in the boat. Why, Jesus, why? Just get in the boat and go that way. He goes to the crowd. He's like, all right, you don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. I love you guys. I healed you. I prayed for you. We did miracles. And then when everybody leaves, Jesus is just like, oh, my gosh. Whew, let me climb this mountain and relax. And he climbs to a mountain, and he just needs to be alone and just needs to pray. And with this technology, where you can't be alone no matter where you are, it's dangerous. But make sure you disengage. Make sure you get alone with God? See, I grew up, for most of my life, I was the only child in my family. and My parents had, a. we adopted my sister when I was seven. But so I always, and like me, my sister never shared a room. So I was always alone in my room. And I remember that, that even though I didn't walk with God through my teen years, when I was a kid, they brought me to church. And the whole thing he preached about was that God wants to be your friend, that Abraham was a friend of God, and that God wants to be your friend, and that Jesus called his disciples his friends. And the guy said, God wants to be your friend. And I remember going home that night and being in my room, because when you're an only child, you stay alone a lot, and sitting in the bed and being like, thinking about that, saying, wow, God, If you really want to be my friend? all right, I'll be your friend. And I just know that prayer worked. It hit the heart of God. I relate to God as my father and as my savior, but I relate to God as my friend. And those quiet moments where there's no distractions, we were talking with a group of guys this week at one of the small groups, and they talked about how one of the biggest distractions is the entertainment. We're constantly entertaining ourselves. And did you know that when you look at your phone, that one of the researchers said that when you look at your phone, when it beeps and you get that notification that there was a like or there was a thumbs up or whatever it is for whatever the platform, that it actually gives your brain like a dopamine hit, like a cigarette drag? And you wonder why people can't put them down. <sighs> oh. Yeah. Now, I'm just saying, and I'm not getting on you for smoking cigarettes, but we do it because it feels good. We do it because it's like this hit, this little boost of pleasure. But sometimes you need to put it down because as much as it feels good, it stresses you out. I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say, Dear God, if I see one more status from that lady, I can't stand what she says. What did she say? Oh, let me look. Oh, it's not that bad. <sniffs> but you got to disengage. You got to get alone with God. We don't know how to do that anymore. We don't know how to do that. You need to learn how to do that. How can you be a Christian and not be a somebody who knows how to be alone with God? That you don't know where the secret place is that you don't know what it is to just go pray to your father what is in heaven in the secret place and have a heart-to-heart with God, and you wonder why you're stressed out because you don't know how to get in front of the one who can make a difference. You're looking for peace everywhere else, and he's really the only one that can have peace. We keep moving on, and um, the number five, I believe we're at, This is out of the book of uh, Mark, chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. It says, he climbed a mountain. So this was Jesus. Remember, in the other story, we had Jesus climbing on the mountain by himself, which I think was awesome, just getting away from people, sending the crowds away. But in Mark, chapter 3, verses 13 through um, 15, he climbs a mountain again, and this time, he invites those he wanted with him. Do you know what that means? There were some people he didn't want with him. Think about that. He was like, You, 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 you. And there were other people sitting there like, What about me? And Jesus was already halfway up the mountain. But you're one of the people. I think God wants to be with you. I think that's why you're here. But I think that it's also because he was perfectly God, but he was perfectly man. And as men or as humans, there are some people we really just enjoy being around, and there's other people that that we enjoy less as believers. It's not like we dislike them. It's just that it's a less of a like. Amen? Some people, you, I really like them less than other people. You can say that next time. It sounds better. Out of all the people in the world, you're the one I like the least, but I still like you. So Jesus had people that he really liked, and you should have people that you really like. You should have people that you really connect with. You notice that when Jesus went to do certain miracles, he would sometimes pull all 12 of his disciples would be there ministering, and sometimes he'd pull two or three with them, and sometimes he'd take just one. Like, And it wasn't that he had favorites. It's just that's the way life is. There's certain people that you just get around every time it's great, and there's certain time; it's every time it's better. And Jesus knew that, and I want you to say that he climbed a mountain. He invited those he wanted with him. They climbed together. He settled on 12. You need to have a circle. Jesus had his. He settled on 12, and he designated them apostles. That means sent, that they would be sent with a mission. The plan was that they would be with him, and then he would send them out to proclaim the word and give them authority to banish out demons. Let others help you in your work. See, I firmly believe that that's not good English up there. I should have had somebody help me with that. But let others help you in your work. Let others help you in your work. I'm not the best at that. I'm growing in this. Number one is some a lot of times I feel like I'm moving too fast. I don't have time to get others. But I'm working on that. Can I be honest and say I'm working to let others help me? That's why David has been helping out with some of the pastoral care things. That He's a trained counselor, works in the prisons, deals with, with things, and an awesome man of God. And I have no doubt that if you have something going on in your life and you want to talk to somebody about it, nobody would be more loving and kind. They might be equally as loving and kind, but nobody would be more loving and kind as that man. So let others help you in your work. Get some good help around you. Cuz God has a plan for you. Get some other help, get some good help. Learn how to delegate. If you're if you're married, figure out how to work together instead of working against each other. Figure out how to be in step instead of pulling in opposite directions. But let others help you. If Jesus got help. Now it's not that Jesus really needed it. It's really hard to say Jesus needed help. But he wanted help. He knew that it was better that he would pick 12 and train them and send them than if he just did it all himself. Number six, we go to the book of uh, Mark chapter 14. This is Jesus again. This is uh, before he was crucified. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples... Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John. See, he didn't even take all 12. But he took Peter, James, and John. And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Number six, let others help you in your weakness. Now, it's a really scary thing, and don't think I'm a heretic to say that Jesus was weak. But I'm just saying, at that moment, he wanted, can we at least look at the Scripture and say he wanted somebody with him? That he said he was sorrowful, that he didn't want to be alone? That he said, not even the 12. Like, he looked at his 12, his number, like 12 most awesome favorite people in the world. And he's like, this is so big, like, you three come with me. The other nine were like, what? Or I guess eight because, you know, Judas was already selling them out. So they didn't even make the cut for the top three. But the top three, he says, sit here, pray with me. I'm sorrowful. I'm distressed. It goes on to say that he was so stressed out that he was dripping what looked like blood from his sweat pores. And there's some research that says that that could be from being so physically stressed that your, your your blood vessels actually can bust and get in there and it looks like you're sweating blood or you're sweating out red like that's pretty stressed out when was the last time you balanced a checkbook and you sweat blood all right when was the last time you were worried about your kids and it was just like pfft? no he was stressed he knew what was going to come and even at that moment he was he didn't say let me go to the mountaintop alone you got to know when it's time to pull away from everybody and when it's time to pull closer with your circle. And if you don't have a circle, that's, that's why we meet here in this church, is hopefully you can find somebody. And if you don't find somebody in this church, find somebody in another church. But you need a believer that can be in your circle so that when you're having one of those moments when you're distressed, you could say, hey, could we just talk? Would you just sit here with me? And Jesus was a man. Jesus was the son of God. But he wasn't afraid to go to somebody else and say, come with me. I just need you here with me at this moment. And if you could do those things, if you could forget what lies behind victories or failures, work on your plan, if you could set goals and reach them and you can learn to, to, to delegate and rest... And find others to help you in your weakness. I can't tell you the stress is going to go away. But you'll feel better. And you'll handle it better. Would you just bow your heads with me? Would you just close your eyes for a second. See the number one thing I can say. The, the key to all of this is, is your relationship with God. Your relationship with the creator of the universe, and that is more important than anything else. You can rest, you can delegate, you can work towards a goal, you can do everything else, you can even find people to talk to. But if your relationship with God is broken by sin or by shame, it's not going to help. See, God knew that. God knew that you needed your relationship with Him fixed. And He did not wait for you to take the first step. He took the first step by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for you while you were yet a sinner. At your worst, He gave you His best. And Jesus didn't take the easy way out. He died on a cross. A painful, horrible way to die so that you could live a life of joy and peace. He took what was yours and gave you what was his. Now maybe you're walking in a broken relationship with God. Maybe, Maybe your relationship with God is not where it needs to be or what it should be. I want you to know, I believe God wants you to know that he's taken the first step to fix that will you take the next step? Will you take the step of faith, the step of trust, and allow God to heal your relationship with Him? Because that is the number one most important thing you can do. Hey guys, I'm Bob.